I've always said if you invest in the relationship, if you nurture the relationships, the outcomes you're after will come. You're exactly right. A lot of people are really bad at nurturing those relationships, particularly over some period of time or in different contexts, like people change jobs or move geographies. Mm-hmm. Or is that what Strata is really intended to do? Is that your vision? Exactly. And, and more. I mean, we wanted to be an operating system for all these relationships. So if you think about think about the metaphor in an operating system, there's stuff that's happening in the background. There are certain, like, call it cleanup tasks that'll take your data to make sure that you know if somebody changed jobs or you'll know if there's uh, an event. And in most cases, by the way, you already have the data. It's already in your email and you just can't keep it all in your mind because there's just too much. So a perfect example is if a few weeks ago when the storms hit Texas, all these friends that moved from New York or San Francisco to Austin, and I could send them a note because we could use it to actually say, well, who in my network that I'm close to do I know that's moved to Austin? And that's not a query I can do on LinkedIn or, or in the phone book because it takes a long time to update that kind of stuff. But they've all told me, it's like, oh, I'm spending the, spending the next few months in Austin or something like that. So just using pretty straightforward NLP to capture the sort of intent of the conversation and then the communication that actually happens and then categorizing that and helping you make it more useful. Like it's, it very much is supplemental system to your CRM, to your workflow, or to your process. Hi there, this is David Knorr. Welcome to the third season of the Curvebenders podcast. I'm so excited after years of research and interviews and due diligence on this topic to finally be able to publish Curvebenders this year. It'll be my 11th book as a follow-on to Relationship Economics and Co-Create. Curvebenders, in essence, are your strategic relationships that enable your non-linear growth in the future. Our research points to 15 forces that we believe will dramatically impact the future of how you'll work, how you'll live, how you'll play, and how you'll give. The global pandemic is just one example. So how will you remain relevant if more disruption will come at us more often with potentially far greater impact? In each episode, I want to share with you insights, great ideas from guests I've invited to join us, as well as practical ideas in the evolution of your skills, your knowledge, your behaviors, and most importantly, what I believe is your biggest asset, which is your portfolio of relationships. I call those relationships your curve benders. So let's get started. Hi, everybody. Nor here. Just a quick heads up that we're constantly updating our new website, norgroup.com, with new blog posts, podcast episodes like this one, links to my Forbes and Inc. articles, and a new intimate community called the Nor Forum. It's a place where like-minded professionals are gathering to learn, share, and grow through insights about strategic relationships, visual storytelling, and nonlinear growth. This is also where you find articles, poll questions, and some great discussions. For example, earlier today, there is an article on how to be more productive in the post-pandemic world. I am hosting a longtime friend, Diane Ryan, a retired Army colonel and a leadership development expert at West Point on an upcoming podcast and live stream. There are interesting folks sharing uh, really gender 
equality questions and challenges. There is, I shared a unique insights about the Persian New Year. So a lot of great content where companies go wrong with learning and development. Here's a poll question on how are you thinking about planning for or leading differently in your business or role in the post-COVID world. So we're up to about a thousand folks, all professionals, all from all around the world, really talking a lot about their relationship challenges and opportunities. How do we effectively communicate? How do we really learn more, learn it faster, and apply those to solve challenges and opportunities? So I hope you come join us at norgroup.com slash forum. That's N-O-U-R group.com slash forum. Welcome back to another episode of the Curvebenders podcast. I'm delighted to be joined by Thor Ernson, CEO of Strata. Thor, welcome. Thanks, Devin. Glad to be here. It's great to have you. For those that may not know as much about you, can you just talk about your background? You've done some fascinating things over the years, where you've been and how you've arrived here. Yeah, started a handful of companies and been a few places although primarily in Iceland and the U.S., but I moved from Iceland to Alabama, which would be its own interview for at least an hour, ideally over a beer, which is not is that in, Was that intentional, by the way? <laughs> sort of. So it was intentional to come to the States and work for a year, and I was going to go back. And it's a pretty common misconception that America is the same size as like a normal European country, and you can just hop from one place to the other. So I figured, you know, it doesn't, didn't really matter where you landed. And I had family in Alabama at the time, somewhat randomly, and figured I'd go there and stay for a year and go back. And, and 20 years later, I'm still here, except in New York. And that professional journey, you, you've built several companies, you've exited few, you seem to be, a, you know, the quintessential serial entrepreneur. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it wound up that way. So I came here and, and like I said, I intended to work for a year, didn't realize that I had to have a work permit and all that stuff. But I was allowed to start a company. So interestingly enough, you can you can own a company, but you can't work for it. So you can pay yourself dividends, but you can't pay yourself salary. So that's that's what I did and ended up starting a small consulting firm that I ended up working with a ton of interesting companies, really was drawn to the startup scene. And then in a, a roundabout way, wound up with another guy from Alabama. We built a thing up that became Zynga's first remote studio and Zynga we made games on on Facebook. And that was a really interesting journey. We had about 450 million users doing over a billion dollars in revenue in Frontierville and Farmville and Cityville and all those. And I realized the, the value of like focusing on one thing, focusing on a project and going really deep. So I started a healthcare company afterwards called Rally Health, thinking through how to, how to do something more beneficial to the world than, than selling virtual farm equipment. And then moved to New York almost 10 years ago, started a company to help people do the kind of discovery, kind of customer development and sort of learning about your market that we were doing in startups, but bringing that to large companies and everybody else. And that's called Feedback Loop, uh, doing very well here in New York. And then the beginning of COVID, started Strata to help people connect and form meaningful connections and, and meaningful relationships professionally because it's needed more than ever. So one of the things, Thor, I'm fascinated by is each of these businesses are very different market segments. They're very different it seems like audiences, the gaming, and then healthcare, and then discovery, and then more recently relationships. How do you decide which market segments to pursue? Where do you look for that that fundamental market need? Talk a little about your process of discovery. Yeah, it's a great question because they do look very different, but when you boil it down, they're actually quite similar. 
the underlying problem we're solving is really around either driving engagement or understanding behavior change and, and helping with some aspect of that. Nobody wakes up in the morning and, and thinks they need you know, to tend to their virtual farm as a rational exercise, but that is what people end up doing. They have these emotional attachments to whatever it is they put effort into. And then the fact that we can change what that target is makes it, makes it really interesting. So if we're getting you to care a lot about something, it might as well be your health. It might as well be something positive. So with Rally, that was really the point. How do we intelligently recommend content, communities, challenges, things like that to help you engage with your own health? And then at Feedback Loop, it was how do you as, as a corporate innovator, a product manager, or a researcher better understand the audience you're trying to serve? How do you connect with that audience? And how do you create a habit around always asking the market what they need? So creating a, a live feedback loop with your audience is really what we do. And then now it's how do we help people better engage their network, better engage the people that are in many cases actually closest to them and have just sort of fallen out of touch because of COVID. Because you don't have the serendipity of running into people at events and things like that anymore. So how do we help them do that is the fundamental question. Are there some common threads or common insights from those two drivers, engagement and behavior change? What, what do you look for early on in your pursuit that says this might be a viable segment for us to go after and invest time, effort, resources in? Yeah. I think the first question is actually, for me personally, is actually, is there some sort of unique, very vaguely like technology-driven angle? Like, is there an avenue where software can play a big role, and I mean like a transformative role, in how the underlying thing works? So that's the first question. And then what's the market for that solution? So if you take what we're doing, Estrada, for example, the starting point really was just a recommendation engine that helps you by looking through your calendar, your communication, things like that, and then just surfacing people that you should reconnect with that we can tell based on a ton of factors, our strong contacts you've fallen out of touch with. And generally because of COVID and generally because of valid reasons. So we bubble those people up. Now that by itself is interesting, but it's not necessarily a transformative thing. But if you look at, all right, well, now if we can make recommendations, if we understand everybody in your network, we know where they fit, how you talk to them, what you say, how often you talk to them, how often you want to talk to them, and where they fit into your personal communication style, uh, we can help you go from maintaining close relationships with dozens of people to potentially hundreds or even thousands, because now it becomes tech-enabled and just a little bit easier. And when we talk to people that are fairly senior in almost any industry, when we talk to them about what their most valuable asset is or most valuable thing they have or thing they've done, it's very rarely their school that they put hundreds of thousands of dollars and years of effort into or their job or even events or anything like that. It's always the people. It's always their network. It's always the people that they interacted with or worked with and eventually became friends with through that process. And yet there's no tools to manage it. Just because adding somebody on LinkedIn doesn't really mean you're close to them. And putting somebody into a CRM or Salesforce or something like that needs to be a transaction. You're helping drive a sales team. It's not appropriate for those kinds of relationships. So if the thing that most senior executives that I talk to identify as their most important asset has no software to manage it, then that's a perfect example of a huge opportunity. And we don't necessarily know exactly what the 
nature of that will be a few years down the road, but we know that there's a big enough problem that we can figure it out. For our audience who know anything about me or if you followed my work, you know I've spent the last 20 years focused on business relationships. So Thor, you're speaking my language. My question of you is twofold. Why do you believe nurturing that which senior leaders tell you is their biggest asset, right? Their relationships, their network. Why do you believe nurturing that is so challenging? And then, you know, I'm going to ask you a follow-up question. You and I both know relationship science and in some ways, LinkedIn, several others with fairly deep pockets have tried this before. They've tried to automate kind of and scale relationship development, relationship nurturing. What's unique about your lens, your perspective, and what you're trying to do at Strata? Yeah, it's a great question. So first thing I would say is that we're not automating the nurturing of the relationships. We're really just helping you maintain them through, think of all the information, data points, nudges, all the things that go into it, where if you just realize that, uh, let's say, for example, in my world, in the venture world, there's two areas that all of us feel bad about not doing that are both roughly closing the loop. So if I am fundraising, I'm going to reach out to a handful of people. I'm going to share a list. I'm going to ask for introductions. I'm going to go through this process. And I'm going to be so focused on that process that I'm going to forget to go back and thank the people that make the introductions and even thank the people that turned us down for taking the time to evaluate it. We'll all send like a follow-up email right away saying, you know, thanks for blah, blah, blah. And every VC has their, has their canned you know, three-paragraph rejection letter. But really, it's a couple of weeks or a couple of months later, just keeping them in the loop and like actually you know, being, being on top of that kind of stuff because these are the people you're going to be working with for a long time, even if you don't work together on that deal. So as an example, like, that's such an obvious thing that we all should do. And yet, almost none of us do. Almost all of us just sort of forget or sidetracked by higher priority items. And if I could just automatically put together a list of here are the 30 people that you talk to about topic X, you should reach back out and give them an update. That's all that it really takes. Like that cognitive effort for me to go do that myself is actually too high of a hurdle. And that applies to dozens of areas. If somebody sends an introduction, go back and thank the person for making the introduction, for example, and do it not just immediately, but do it a couple of weeks down the road with an update on what's going on. Move the ball forward just a little bit at a time. And, uh, and to your question of why it's important is like, that's really how these relationships are formed, especially now when everything is via email or, or Zoom. You just have to keep things going. You just have to put a little bit of effort in, continued basis for a long period of time. And then when you look back on it, you realize you've done a lot of stuff together and you might even become friends. So what's needed is not this high intensity, like close a deal right now. Here's your sales pipeline kind of management system that, that is in the market today, but rather just tools and heuristics to help you manage and, and form these kinds of relationships. And what I've seen others do, and there's many, real size one, and it's a great example. And there's there's several others that are sort of loosely in the CRM contact management space. And all of them have a specific audience where they're trying to help them do a job. And that job is almost never forming a relationship. The job is getting a deal done or something like that, because that's where that's where budgets are. And it makes complete sense because certainly in the venture world, you're driven to, to capturing existing budgets and building a big business immediately. You're not really, nobody's really pushing you to like think deeply about an underlying problem and how to solve it. 
So if you come across somebody doing that, definitely send them my way. I'd love to take a look. But out of the dozens of examples I've seen, it's just not their business and it's not what they're trying to do. So you're not trying to replace Salesforce. You're not trying to replace you know a lot of these overcomplicated CRM tools. Absolutely. You're a enabler of that. You're, I've always said if you invest in the relationship, if you nurture the relationships, the outcomes you're after will come. You're exactly right. A lot of people are really bad at nurturing those relationships, particularly over some period of time or in different contexts, like people change jobs or move geographies. Mm-hmm. Or Is that what Strata is, is really intended to do? Is that your vision? Exactly. And, and more. I mean, we wanted to be an operating system for all these relationships. So if you think about think about the metaphor in an operating system, there's stuff that's happening in the background. There are certain, like, call it cleanup tasks that'll take your data to make sure that you know if somebody changed jobs or you'll know if there's uh, an event. And in most cases, by the way, you already have the data. It's already in your email, and you just can't keep it all in your mind because there's just too much. So a perfect example is if a few weeks ago when the storms hit Texas, all these friends that moved from New York or San Francisco to Austin, and I could send them a note because we could use it to actually say, well, who in my network that I'm close to do I know that's moved to Austin? And that's not a query I can do on LinkedIn or, or in the phone book because it takes a long time to update that kind of stuff. But they've all told me, it's like, oh, I'm spending the, spending the next few months in Austin or something like that. So just using pretty straightforward NLP to capture the sort of intent of the conversation and the, the communication that actually happens and then categorizing that and helping you make it more useful. Like it's, it very much is supplemental system to your CRM, to your workflow, or to your process. We're not going to replace it, but we will have the most powerful version of that for yourself. It's a good way to think about it. We're not replacing LinkedIn, but we'll have, I'd say, most of the features made in a much more personalized, much more relevant way for you as an individual to be able to manage and have a, this like lens, almost like a superpower to, to figure out how can it be most helpful to your network. And that's also the other thing that, that we hear most commonly is that the frustration from, from our users, but, but a lot of people, is that it's not that they want to get more out of it, it's that they want to give more back to it. I recently wrote an article in our private community, North Forum, of, I think, demise of Clubhouse, right? So mm-hmm. I said, you know, A, the last thing I need is another social network in my life. Two, audio, they may have tapped into, you know, interesting lens, but it's fairly ubiquitous. And it wouldn't take a whole lot of effort from the other more established social networks to kind of pick up on that, right? So LinkedIn or Twitter or any of the other ones incorporating an audio chat room is a very logical progression of their platform. Why wouldn't similarly a LinkedIn or Mm -hmm. a Salesforce double down on this relationship management tool that Mm -hmm. you've focused on? Or Google or Microsoft, I would say. I mean, obviously, Microsoft owns LinkedIn, but LinkedIn is one very obvious player that should do this, and I wish they did. Like, I wish I didn't have to build this, honestly, because this is just a tool that I need. And the answer is just that it's not in their DNA. What we're doing is focused on individuals and delivering value to them, whereas, for better or for worse, LinkedIn's model is serving advertisers and recruiters. They make a lot of money doing that. And they want to give us tools to help engage, but they want to keep it all on their platform. Like the, There's no incentive for them to do these kinds of things if it doesn't drive clicks or likes or something like that. And they'll have features that you know, work on aspects of this. But what we're trying to do is unify 
taken as much of this information as we can to help give you a single sort of source of actions to take right now. And it doesn't matter if it's on LinkedIn or Clubhouse or email or text. So so that's one. And then the other is the bigger platform players that are in the communication space, Gmail, et cetera. I would love it if they did it as well. It's just they're serving a different audience with much more generalized needs. We've talked to teams across actually all these companies. And at the end of the day, the customer that they're serving is just different from the customer we're serving. Because we're serving the individual. They're generally serving a sales manager, an advertiser, or some sort of specialized function like that. So there's plenty of opportunities to collaborate. We will we have an API that we've talked to three of those sort of platform players about integrating in some way where you know there's recommendations that can pop up that might be relevant to them if, if a contact is relevant to a deal, for example, or vice versa. If there's activity in a deal that's relevant to somebody in your network, then those are both great opportunities to have data flow back and forth. But we're not worried about them just copying it. So I love the focus on the needs of that business professional to kind of reconnect, re-engage. I've often said or often ask people, what relationships are you neglecting, right? Mm -hmm. So pre-pandemic, you'd meet somebody fascinating at a trade show or conference and you get their business cards or contact info. And I'm convinced they would sit on our desks kind of staring back at you like, you haven't called me, you haven't followed up, you haven't, right? So Mm -hmm. so it seems like you're, you're, you're helping to address that scenario as well as relationships we may have had in the past that we've just, like I said, left neglected or haven't done a good job touching base with. You said earlier, tools for managing those relationships is a huge opportunity. Mm-hmm. I love that you're creating, again, a path for individuals to do this. What's the revenue model? What is this something I subscribe to? And how do I justify, because everybody seems to have gone SaaS lately, how do I justify that subscription? Yeah, so the the core of it is that because we are giving you tools for you, we're not monetizing your data in any other way. It's a individual subscription. So you would sign up and it's it's fairly cheap. There will be a $20 a month and an $80 a month offering based on feature set and things like that. So it's fairly cheap, especially in the context of this being the most important you know asset you have. You're, you're buying something to help manage that. And then over time... We want you to rely on it so that you will wake up every day and you will see your task list from Strata. So here are the thing, here are the people I need to reach out to today. And there's some funny things that we've learned from doing that is that if we give you the highest quality recommendations, just the ones that like we know you definitely should do right now, let's say there's 10 of those, you're going to look at that list and you're going to say, well, I already knew that. I know I need to reach out to these people. Yes, I know I said I would do this. I know I need to thank this person for this thing you did last week. And in your perceived value is going to be it's going to be a little bit down because you feel like you're getting recommendations for something you already knew. But the first time we surface something that's unusual or surprising, and it could be could be for example somebody that you've been in touch with regularly and you had lunch or dinner with a year ago right before the shutdown and you haven't talked to since. We're like, hey, do you know you haven't talked to Susie for over a year? And I don't know if you know, but a lot has changed in the last year. <laughs> and then here's a quick snippet you can send to Susie right now. And you click on it, and you're like, hey, Susie, holy shit, it's been a year. Can you believe it? How have you been? Can't wait until we can have another lunch like we did back in the good old days. So just that one email, just that one action that you didn't expect can give you 10 high-quality recommendations. But that one surprising one that helps with sort of the serendipity that you are, that all of us are so thirsty for because we want 
to run into people. We want to talk to people. We want to have things, have positive things happen out of that that just don't anymore. That one interaction is going to make it worth it 10 times over. And, and as long as we, as long as we can feed a steady stream of those kind of surprising recommendations, surprising interactions, surprising, surprisingly valuable suggestions, then it's a no brainer. So to build on that, I feel like I'm fairly organized. I have I have relationship list. I, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. a pretty active user in Salesforce. Remind me again of where those surprising recommendations or where the recommendations coming from. So in this case, it would be based on your calendar and your email. So it would be literally just seeing who you had lunch with in the first quarter of last year who you, and that you talked to regularly and haven't talked to in the last year. So you're looking at that frequency of, of touches to gauge... There- Listen, there's a gap in what you used to interact with versus and, – and is there a feedback loop mechanism? So can I mm-hmm. tell you, well, yeah, I was in touch with Joe for all that time because we're working on a project. And either he left or he's you know, changed jobs or he's no longer relevant. Is there mm-hmm. a feedback loop mechanism? There is, but it's actually smarter than that because you not taking the action is the feedback loop. So if we make a recommendation and you take it, the strengthens it, don't take it, it weakens it. So there's automatically feedback built into the system, as well as there's a lot of interesting transitive properties to it. There's somebody you're very close to. Let's say there's a, a CEO of a company that you're talking to. When they make an introduction, then that relationship that comes out of it generally should be pretty strong. And uh, what we see as well is if there's somebody you're close to, it doesn't matter what their title is then that is sort of transferred onto the new relationship. Somebody that you're not close to makes an introduction, it doesn't really mean a whole lot. The sales rep introduces you to their manager, it doesn't really matter. Your best friend introduces you to whoever, you're going to take that very seriously. So a lot of the signals that we look at are second and third order kind of evaluations based on the network, based on your communication, based on there's literally hundreds of factors that feed into a combination of natural language processing to figure out the nature of these conversations, then into models that are trained and learned based on your behaviors. But then you can also override it. You can also give direct feedback, not relevant or relevant for these specific reasons. At the time of this recording, the vaccinations, certainly in the U.S., are accelerating. The Georgia governor recently claimed everybody over 16 is eligible. Thor, as we get out of our cocoons that this this grand experiment of all of us going to work from <laughs> from home over the last year, as we get back to you and I were talking, I just uh, several clients have reached back out and I'm firming up, you know, in person. You know, I don't know if you know that it's a thing now. You know, in person conferences <laughs> are are a thing again. But as we get back together, does that dilute the credibility or, or value of Estrada or does it enhance it? No, it enhances it because that was the original use case. The original use case was I'm traveling to LA for a conference. Who did I talk to last time I was there at the conference? Who else should I meet while I'm there? And who should I just generally stay in touch with on the West Coast? And I used to do that twice a week, every week, travel somewhere, Europe, Latin America, West Coast. And it was such a pain. There's I have spreadsheet after spreadsheet after spreadsheet lists of people for invitations to happy hours, to dinners, to lunches, to coffees, different events where I met them, all that stuff. It's all in a CRM. We have Salesforce for the sales team, then a different CRM for the executive team and different thing. But the most valuable system, quote unquote, was just lists, was spreadsheets. And these damn spreadsheets just won't die because if I need to share something 
with somebody? Who's going to be there? Who should I reach out to? Who have I not reached out to? That core question, it's not going to be a report out of a CRM, but it is going to be a list on a piece of paper or Google Sheets or Excel. And if we can just make that process that much better where you know who you met at that event, you know who you should reach back out to, and more importantly, you don't have to think about it. You don't have to write anything down. You don't. Have, there's no data input required from you whatsoever. It just works. Then it's way more valuable once live events are a thing again because our world's become more hectic. So I want you to take out your crystal ball and kind of fast forward this this line of sight, this this unique you know tool to manage my relationships forward. What do you see this evolving to? What do you see it? What's the next level of this? So I like the. Mm-hmm. I want to say the pedestrian, but I like that foundational, you know, kind of prompt me for touch base. And, and I love that concept, you know, pre-pandemic, likewise, you and I talked, I was on the road a couple hundred days a year. So knowing mm-hmm. who's in that geography, knowing who should I reach out to in advance and set up coffee, lunch, whatever is great. Where do you see this going? Is there an opportunity to prioritize your relationship? Do you mm-hmm. envision an opportunity to not just that one touch, but kind of daisy chain multiple touches with that person or expand into their network. So talk a little about your vision for the roadmap moving forward. Yeah, it's a great question. So so currently it's really just about an intelligent set of recommendations for individuals so that you can not just reach out to somebody once, but in a continued way, stay in touch and sort of on a think of it as a, a cadence. So you meet somebody, we'll give you a recommendation. Do you want to stay this is a David's a new person. Do you want to stay in touch with them? If so, then send this. Hey, David, great to catch up. Really enjoyed, blah, blah, blah. If not, then just ignore it. And then, okay, so send that email. Then what? Well, two, three months later, hey, David, checking in. How are things going? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then something will maybe come out of that and maybe not. But there's a series of things you need to do as well on top of that. So that's the starting point. And then over time, if you think about all the different ways you're engaging your network and all the different use cases and examples, most of them come down to lists and actions on lists. So lists of people and actions on them. The intelligent recommendations we call playlists, similar to like a Spotify playlist when you're in a certain mood or you're thinking about something, you're just going to like go through it. Whether you're, you're feeling like you want to listen to jazz for two hours, great. Or you want to reach out to everybody you connected with in Austin, great. Either way, you're just in a certain mode, you just go through it and we help you do that. Over time, there's actually less and less things you will need to do because the system will learn from you. So now you can do things much more efficiently. So now you're reaching out to not one person at a time, but maybe 20 or 30. And you're doing certain things like your friend tells you in in the venture world, fundraising is just inevitable fact of life. You're always fundraising no matter what. So what that means is you talk to a friend, they're like, oh, you should talk to X, Y, and Z. And they're going to send an introduction or they're going to send a list of people. And then I can say yes or no, yes or no. And then something happens afterwards. Double opt-in intros, sending referrals, checking in with people, closing the loop. There's a series of events that happen after a list turns into a series of introduction, turns into following up, turns into maybe a deal, and then it's done or it's not. But you're not really in that transaction. You're just helping out. So you're not really tracking it because it doesn't really matter. Even though it matters in a huge way because you may have like made somebody's day or or even more, especially if you got them a new lead investor or maybe you helped them sell a company or most commonly for all of us, actually, you helped somebody find a new job. I'm sure all of us have done that. So helping with those kinds of 
call them like transactional aspects, even though the underlying relationship is a friendship. There's ways to help with those things that are not monetized and we probably don't want to, but definitely facilitate it. And there's a lot of value there. So capturing some of the value and making, bringing it to the surface and showing just how important your network is to everything you're doing, and then giving you a playbook for what to do next. So especially if you're an earlier career kind of person, like giving you a playbook for how do you actually do this? Starting with a blank piece of paper, what do I do now? Love that idea. And again, I've, I've been a student of it for 20 years. I, you know, we may use different terminologies, but I talk a lot about relationship currency deposits and reputation capital and your professional net worth. And uh, Thor, it sounds like, as you and I've talked about, it sounds like you guys have automated some of those fundamental tasks mm-hmm. and skills and knowledge and behaviors that absolutely lead to turning everyday contacts into incredible relationships. So as you and I talked about, curve vendors are strategic relationships that profoundly shape your future. Can you think of one or two relationships in your past that have shaped the entrepreneur, the manager, the leader that you've become? Absolutely. I mean, there's more than I can, certainly more than I could count on two hands. I'd say it's very important as a founder to work with, work closely with investors. And there's longstanding relationships with investors that have been transformative for me personally. And like understanding how to, how to work with those is very important. Friendships with obviously co-founders that I'm very close to, or even in some cases, clients that have become friends. Learning from other people is something that I take very seriously and put effort into. So I actually, without the tool, will actively stay in touch with people in my network that either that I've met with or talked to about something interesting. I'm genuinely curious in how they're doing and what's going on and what their journey is. So, you know, the, the ones that, that make it to the level of, of curve benders for me personally, there's, there's, I bet you there's, there's quite a few because even if it may start somewhere surprising, it generally winds up in a situation where we're mutually trying to help each other out. And I, a lot of the, just to, to sort of underline something you said, David, is like a lot of the stuff that you've been doing for 20 plus years now is it's not just related and it's not just similar. It's the exact same thing to what we're doing because there, there's this, it's a fundamental human thing of how do you connect with other people? How do you work with other people? And how do you form closer bonds with those people? And even if the labels are slightly different, like the underlying human behaviors and needs are the same. So you know, however, we can both try to enable others to do that uh, in a bigger way. I think that's a net benefit for everybody. How do you, Thor, how do you believe one can become a curve bender in the lives of others? So instead of you mm-hmm. benefiting from that learning from those other co-founders, what do you believe it takes to not just short-term, say, fundraising or short-term execution or even exit, but fundamentally, profoundly shaping the lives of others. What do you think that takes? I think it's something that all of us are capable of, and most of us just don't put the effort or time into. And it just comes down to caring. If you actually genuinely care about what the other person is going through, where they're going, and understand, you understand better than anybody how you can help them. And then you just put that tiny little bit of effort into it. Tiny, tiny, tiny little. I mean, it is as simple as like literally just sending an email saying, how are you doing? No, we talked the other week or I heard you say this the other week. Is there something I can do to be helpful? Even if it's just like talk through an idea. And in most cases, people will take you up on it. And then you will think of five or six other people they should connect with. And then 
just just do that little bit of helping out. Spend the however long it is, grab a coffee or a virtual coffee, understand what they're going through, offer suggestions to help with zero expectation of anything in return. Because if you're in a privileged enough position to be able to do that, then not only will good things come, but it's actually just a good thing in and of itself. If you can just help a person out with a simple email with like 10 minutes of your of your time, and it makes a huge difference in their life, I don't know why you wouldn't do it, but I do understand that people don't. So what I would say and do say to everybody, regardless of level of seniority, is just actively try to participate, actively care, and try to do something. It doesn't matter what, doesn't matter how little, and you start building a habit. You start building a habit of doing that. And it is kind of funny because it will kind of weird people out because they are conditioned that you're after something. You're, you must be doing it for some ulterior motive. And, and I guess over time, they'll realize that that's not the case. But it's really easy and makes a huge impact on people. For our audience, if you've joined us late, you've been listening to Thor Ernston, CEO of Strata. Thor, what's the best way for our audience to learn more about you and the company and, and get in touch? Yeah, go to strata.cc. That's our website. And uh, you can email me, uh, thor at strata.cc. And I uh, encourage anybody listening to actually do that. If there's anything you can do to be helpful, pretty funny. I, I've said this this point hundreds of times and and only during COVID do people actually do it. It's been a pretty funny behavior change that I've personally noticed. I've talked to hundreds of thousands of people in the aggregate and effectively less than 10 actually took me up on it. And then now, now when everybody's listening on their computer and right in front of their inbox, they can they can bang on an email pretty quickly. So feel free to reach out. If there's anything to do to be helpful. Crazy idea, fantastic. Not so crazy idea. That's okay too. And it's strata.cc or Thor at strata.cc. Thank you for being our guest on the Curvebenders podcast. Great to be here. By the way, three quick points, new season and a renewed commitment to our digital footprint, blog, newsletter, social media. We turn the show notes from these podcasts into more in-depth articles, so you can find those in our completely revamped new blog forthcoming at norgroup.com slash blog. Number two, we're completely revamping our newsletter to make them even more practical and relevant with both a free and a premium version. Check it out at norgroup.com slash newsletter. Lastly, we want to bring the content from these episodes to life. So whether it's a Twitter chat with a guest or live streaming through our Facebook and YouTube channels, or even more recently, a Clubhouse audio conversation, check out our various social media channels with the hashtag Curvebenders for the latest update. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Thor Ernsten, CEO of Strata. Uh, as I mentioned uh, during this interview, he and I have had spoken several times. As I said, I've been a student of business relationships for 20 years, and I've been frustrated with my own efforts. This is full vulnerability, but I've also coached a lot of people. I've been frustrated with kind of their inability to do what we all know we need to do, which is follow up, follow through, nurture our relationships, touch base. And it's human nature, right? We get busy, we get distracted, we get the next shiny thing that comes across our radar, and we all tend to neglect these critical relationships that 
uh, they're not intentional, but we've, we've really had a you know good interaction with them. We exchange value. We found them valuable. They found us of interest and value and we all get busy. So I love the simplicity in which Thor and company are trying to address, what did he say? Tools for managing your biggest asset, which are your relationships. So this is the NOR summary notes, hopefully in three minutes or less, summarize our conversation and give you some practical, pragmatic ideas that you can apply. Number one, listen to what he said. In their conversations with senior executives, when they asked what was your most valuable asset, it wasn't their school, it wasn't their job, it wasn't an event, it was people. It was their network, it was their relationships. So this is not a commercial for their platform. This is a reminder that your biggest asset beyond your educational foundation and professional pedigree is your portfolio of relationships. And I actually believe in uh, fewer, but deeper, more value-based, more authentic relationships. And I think one thing that this global pandemic has driven into us is the value of those relationships. So- I would encourage you to check out Strata, but really double down on your relationships. Number two, obviously title of this session, an operating system for your relationships. What has to happen in the background? And I've always said one of the most untapped opportunities for technology, whether it's AI, ML, library of algorithms, is be intelligent enough to look at my calendar, look at my emails, look at who do I interact with on a regular basis and figure out the cadence, figure out that I haven't spoken with John or Pam or Susan or Hector in some time and just prompt me of this is somebody you want to touch base with. And I've always said, give me somebody's checkbook and their calendars, and I can tell you about the breadth and depth of the relationships. It sounds like Thor and company have figured out a way to automate it. Number three, roadmap, right? The intelligent playlist. Over time, different ways to engage your audience, less about what you do and the system learns for you. So I do this manually today. At the onset of the pandemic, I made a list of my top 100 relationships. I've touched base with those. I'm not going back to previous clients. No agenda. Disarm people with no agenda. Just wanted to reconnect over a Zoom, a call, or as now we get vaccinated, a socially distant in-person cup of coffee, and just to get caught up on both sides. And if you try to help, if you genuinely, authentically try to invest in other people, if you try to help, it'll be amazing of what the return unfolds in spades. So just a quick reminder, uh, Thor will be our guest on the live stream, Curve Benders Live today at noon Eastern. So come join us. Uh, I'm so excited to be launching the Curvebenders book later this month. So uh, we turned the show notes from these interviews into more in-depth articles and discussions in our private community, NOR Forum. So I hope you'll come join us there, norgroup.com slash forum. Number three, we have some fabulous, fabulous guests coming up in our subsequent episodes. So Michael Watkins of the first 90 Days fame, Sabir Chowdhury. Uh, the world-renowned uh, Six Sigma lean expert. I'm going to talk about curve benders. Jeff Parker at Dartmouth, uh, oddly enough, Department of Engineering. I've got Mitch Joel uh, of Six Pixel Group uh, talking about technology and consumer behaviors and commerce and innovation. He's a Thinkers 50 radar colleague. Michael Dominguez. Uh, CEO of Alhais, the Association of Luxury Hotels International. He's going to talk about trends in 
Travel, Des Dearlove, and Stuart Craner, founders of Thinkers 50. These are all our future guests. So I hope you'll subscribe to Curvebenders wherever you consume podcasts or at norgroup.com slash podcast. I'm so grateful for all of our listeners on the Curve Vendors podcast. I'd love to hear from you with ideas, with suggestions, with guests you'd love to hear from at this intersection of future of work, strategic relationships, and nonlinear growth. You can simply email podcast at norgroup.com or follow us on various social media channels where I use the hashtag Curve Vendors to keep you posted on our latest progress.